Welcome to Seds and Sandals, a PE podcast by the Lancashire Post. This week we'll talk about the defeats QPR, the reserve team game, discuss ticketing, and answer some questions from Twitter. So let's get into it. Hello and welcome to Seds and Sandals. My name is Tom Sandals, and with me, as always, is Dave Seddon. Dave, a podcast with a difference this week. Yeah, we're doing it remotely, aren't we, Tom? Yeah. So you're, uh, yeah, yeah, you're you're confined to barracks at the moment, aren't you? I know. Girlfriend's uh, girlfriend came around to see me on Sunday night, which was nice of her, and did a COVID test while she was here, and it came back positive. So now she's bunkered here for the next week right. or so to protect her parents, but not me. Right. It's nice so, of her, isn't it? Yeah. So very thoughtful. So 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 is this some kind of strange dating game, Tom? Where you do a COVID <laughs> test when you go out on a date or something yeah. like that? Trapped. It's a bit alien to me. That. Like. <laughs> no. Uh, she wants to. What? Wherever she. Was it wherever she did the COVID test? Like she had to stay. Well, pretty so much. Job you didn't do it. Like, she was. Yeah, uh, so. She was uh, worried about the impacts it could have on her parents, just not the impacts it yeah. could have on me. So yeah, no, I'm stuck with it. Fair. It's only a matter of time now, which is great. But it's time for the international break, so I'll take that. At least I shouldn't miss a North End <laughs> game. One for the team, have you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, but we'll go back to the last game, which we were both at. Mm. Finally, um, QPR. Uh, yeah. not, I mean. It, it was some game, but mm-hmm. n- not really for North End fans in the end. 3-2, goal down, goal up, and then lose out in an absolutely tropical day in London. It was a bit yeah. of a, a, a crazy game, really, wasn't it? Yeah. I think a monsoon is what you're looking for, Tom, not yeah. tropical. I wish it was tropical. So, uh, no, it was like a tropical, it was like a tropical storm, usually, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. No, just not very warm. So Rainy uh, season. No, it was, it was one of those games, you know, for... For an hour or so, we really enjoyed it. You know, like, you know, it's going in North End's way. Yeah, they fell behind to a poor goal. All three goals were poor to give yeah. away during it. We uh, fell behind, what, 17th minute, something like that. Mm. Probably with the first meaningful chance either side had. And then North End worked their way back into it, got the equaliser through Emil Reese. Probably then, gets the run of play, really. At the time, yeah, yeah, you'd say so, but it was a nice, it was, you know, but that grew him into the game. Once mm. he scored it, that sort of grew him into the game. They, they took the lead through Josh Earl, what, less than a minute into the second half, yeah. 57 seconds or something like that. And then for a good 10 minutes, quarter of an hour after that, it, it was there, it, it was an offense game for the taking. It, had they scored again, make it 3 1, I think that would have been game over, as it was. They didn't quite get there. Uh, it stayed at 2-1. QPR had one disallowed, didn't they? Ahead of yeah. disallowed. Um, and that should have been a warning sign that oh, QPR are coming back into this. And it wasn't heeded. And then it was two farcical goals, really, wasn't it? When you, well, the, the first one, well, you know, the, the equaliser 2-2 two, two, two was just sort of basically defending at the far post, which mm. wasn't done properly. And, you know, as I say, I say farcical for both. No, it was the third goal, which absolutely fought. It was a farceman sort of a... Uh, start to finish, you know, and so and so disappointing. Yeah, I, I mean, Emma Reese took his goal really well. Um, like I said, mm-hmm. I think it came, it came against the run of play, and then it kind of kicked North End into life. I thought Josh Earl had given uh, Sean Maguire a bit to do down the left side because it kind of left him nowhere to go, and then he pulls out this lovely ball on his left foot to pick out Reese, mm-hmm. and who kind of takes a touch and slots it under the keeper. Did really well with that, but then as you say, I think especially after the second goal, it was pretty much open season. They were just there for the taking. Yeah. They were wide open. North End were going at them, going at them, going at them. And then I think it must have been probably about five minutes after that stopped. So probably, because it probably stopped about the hour mark. And I think I turned to you and said, next goal is massive here. Because you kind of feel, I, I felt a bit 
silly saying it at the time because you know obviously every goal is massive but and going to 2-2 two, two or 3-1 obviously 3-1 is going to kill off the game but it was the case that it went to 2-2 two, two, and then it was just kind of QPR in the ascendancy and that it was kind of sort of that there's there's the cliche of a good time to score and a bad time to score and mm-hmm. QPR sort of scored with enough time to keep the momentum going and you know get another and, and keep pushing and I think I mean in the main QPR had probably the better of it really in in, in terms yeah, oh, of yeah, yeah. in terms of chances and things like that and I mean th- there's not much more to say other than farcical for that third one where it's gone over Greg Cunningham seems to kind of misjudge the header Liam Lindsay spends about 45 yards falling over before Dykes heads the ball on the floor and North End just continually fail to deal with it. I think it comes to Alan Brown on the edge of the box, doesn't he? And he decides to try and chest it instead of just head it away and just clear it and it ends up wide to chair, who, to be fair, with it quite under his body, pulls out a decent finish, but it just shouldn't get that far, should it? No, no. I thought QPR... I thought the QPR were quite ropey at the back, mm. but I thought they were very good going forward. I mm. thought D- Dykes works hard. Lyndon Dykes works hard up front, doesn't yeah. he? He started off with Andre Gray, mm. swapped him for Charlie Austin during the second half. Chair was always that threat in the number 10. Just thought they their changes had a little bit more of an effect, if you know what I mean. You know, like, yeah. you know, br- br- bringing on, for example, sort of... Uh, Austin for for uh, Andre Gray, for example, mm. it's not a bad change to make. But you know the the, the third goal was gift wrapped, and you know from you know it's, it could have been cut out probably quite early on in North End's half. You know, yeah. like uh, as you say, you know when when Lyndon Dykes is sort of on his hands and knees heading it across <laughs> goal. Um, there was a good save from Daniel Everson in there, wasn't there? Mm. You know, with his foot, and it sort of loops up and. And I don't know why Alan Brown just couldn't cushion a little bit of a header back into him, but he yeah. sort of turned to sort of or any direction apart from back out to the edge just, of the box. Just, yeah, just needed to look, you know, and he got his clearance sort of charged down, didn't he? Mm. You know, the charging down turned into the cross, really, wasn't it? Mm. That was a sort of the way he charged it down. So, um, but yeah, it was as you say, it was a good time for QPR to score because. You know, they got the, got back into it for two all, and there, there was enough time left for him to push for another, mm. you know, well, you know, like the equaliser. There was enough time. Dunn scored the equaliser, didn't he? It that, wasn't that, that there was a rush time. either. It wasn't like, oh, there's yeah. only 10 minutes, come, we need, you know, we, we need an equaliser, we need to be quick about it. But instead, they could be composed and just kind of continue that steady progression as they were going in the game where they were building and building and building. And it almost felt inevitable that they did at least get, you know, another chance or two to. To, to make yeah. something of it. Yeah, I thought, but North End didn't, you know, like um, didn't really raise, like, you know, an attacking wise. Mm. You know, the the ball went up to the front players near the end, but there was a, I think there was one for Set, wasn't there? There was a cross field ball, and he sort yeah. of, it was a difficult one. He had to take it on the volley and mm. put Sky Devart, you know, and there was bits of it. Daniel Johnson, you know, there was one free kick or a corner cut back low and he, he had a shot blocked in the box, you mm. know, but the, there wasn't anything to really work the goalkeeper was, a, you know, at 3-2. So, um, which might have been something to do with probably a hot topic of the game is that they lost Sean Maguire yeah. to a hamstring injury. And substitutes in general. All three yeah. all three were down mm. to, to injury. Injuries. Um, they were, yeah, yeah. But I just thought putting pots on for Maguire, now I've had, you know, this, mm. this has been debated for 
ever more in a day since mm. then. But it, it was just not the sort of kind for me. It was not the kind of substitution that was going to get you back into the game. I think if you you're trying to hold on to something or you want the ball lumped up, I think pot, you know, putting pots up there is just you you're an emergency sort of to sort of bit of a bit of yeah, a bit of power towards the end. But if you if you're looking to craft a mm, goal and mm-hmm. find the gaps like North End had been doing previously, yeah. it probably wasn't the one. If you think of the two goals, Sean set Sean Maguire setting both up. First one a really nice little pass down the down the inside channel for Reese to chase and then the second Ledson picked him out with a great ball over the top of the defence he took great it down the, the side of the six yard box nice touch clipped it across I think it hit the keeper on the way over mm. and just fell for Josh Hill to score but that wasn't the sort of approach we we're going to get and you put Brad Potts on now I'm not one of these ones who beats Potts with a stick every time you know yeah. I, I just don't think he was suited to that kind of role in that game. You know, I I think it needed maybe a little bit of pace, a little bit of cleverness. Mm-hmm. You know, he had Sinclair on the bench, probably not quite ready after COVID, but he was there. You know, he could have brought him on. Uh, or Murphy, Josh Murphy was the one I was expecting to yep. come on, just in, in the fact that he had come on in other games. And um, I don't know, there was just seemed a bit, bit of a, a bit of reluctance to use him. But I, I just thought maybe that little bit of craft, you know, Murphy is about his pace, but he's also got a bit about him with his footwork, hasn't he? So uh, that might have brought a greater reward, I thought. And he just, just sort of played into the hands of the critics almost, or, mm. you know, the, the feeling that, you know, this. Potts isn't the kind of player they want to see out there. And when it just wasn't the right game for him, I thought. I, thought, I didn't think it was the best substitution. Um, as I say, all three subs were in, injury subs, weren't they? Pat mm. Bauer had to go off at half time with a dead leg. And Liam Lindsay, as a centre half on the bench, was the one to come on for him. Earlier in the game, Ali McCann rocked his ankle in a block tackle. He had to come off and he put Alan Brown on. And um, I, 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 I thought, to be fair, bar his clearance in that part in the third goal I thought Brown was decent you yeah. know there's no, nothing wrong for me in his general midfield play Yeah, you know if you got a point of finger it was that the third you know the third goal there was some debate should it have been Ben Whiteman who'd come on instead having lost his place to McCann in the first place but I think it was you pointed out in the press box you know your, your reason you know your train of thinking was that look you know Whiteman was probably due a rest that's why mm. he was left out due a breather He's blowing a bit, maybe. Now, would would he have benefited just from sitting on the bench for 25 minutes and then he's thrown straight back into it? Mm. Or do you go with Brown on, throwing him on? You know, who did provide legs and energy, I thought, but obviously... And when you want to change, if you want to change something, and you go, oh, we'll leave leave Ben Whiteman out this week, so I want to change it up and I'll bring Gally McCann in. Bringing Ben Whiteman Mm -hmm. on 20 minutes into the game kind of leaves you without having made that change, really. So you might as well bring Alan Brown on and bring that different dynamic in there. Yeah, yeah. No, I I wouldn't criticise that one, to be Mm. fair. Uh, I thought he did have a good game. Liam Lindsay was the natural choice as a centre-half. He was the only centre-half on the bench. And I think what it's... um, Expose North End's defence is weaker without Andrew Hughes, yeah. and obviously I think it's weaker without Pat Bauer as well. You know, to take to take two of them out of the the game, you know, like one and a half game, well, two games without Hughes, mm-hmm. you know, a half a game without um, without Bauer, you know, and together um, they are missed. You know, yeah. like when you got three, you know, three defenders there who've formed a solid relationship over the last uh, you know six weeks or so, to lose two of them, you know, is 
is, is a big blow, you know, and did leave a hole. It's, I think it's underrated how well Andrew Hughes plays that position and how difficult it mm. can be to kind of guard that channel to, to win headers at the back post to position yourself well. Because I do think um, mm-hmm. Greg Cunningham got caught out a little bit at Deepdale in that, in that sense. And then... In the Stoke game, yeah. Yeah, and he gets caught out a little bit down that side again at QPR. Different situation, obviously, but I think it's a little bit underrated. And as well in terms of just pushing that extra 10 yards forward on the ball and things like that, having that confidence and being comfortable enough in that position to be able to do that as well. Obviously, Patrick Bauer's a brilliant player. But as I Mm -hmm. said to you, I think walking out of um, the Keen Prince Foundation Stadium, I nearly call it Loftus Road, um, Mm -hmm. the, the thing is you're going to miss players. You are. Yeah, that, that's yeah. a fact. The problem there lies that there isn't enough quality coming in to replace them, or you don't have the. You can't go a whole season going well. You know, if if Hughes and Bauer hadn't been injured for this length of time, like you, you have to have that squad there in place to cover for those yeah. sorts of things, don't you? Really? Well, oh, definitely, definitely. You know, like you, as you say, no one's going to go through forty-six games mm. these days. You know, without some kind of injury. Um, I think. I think North End's problem is that two have happened at once in the defence. Lindsay did start off his first choice centre half, didn't he? But like lost his place yeah. and did okay last season. I thought when yeah. when he came in towards the end, they still had the um, solid this solid period yeah. in defence yeah. with Liam Lindsay at the yeah. heart of it. I think it is difficult as well when you lose a defender during a game. You know, mm. most most managers make a change. It, you know, like the, the, the substitutions, tactical substitutions, come further up the pitch, either up front on the winger in midfield. It's rare that a manager or head coach wants to change the back line at all. They don't like to keep it nice and solid, don't they? And, mm. uh, you know, it, Liam Lindsay coming on at half-time, cold into a game, it, you know, it, 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 it was a tough one, really. And uh, I just think, you know, the conditions didn't help as well. He slipped for the goal, didn't he, for the third one? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, sort of a, f- a few things sort of, you know, bundled up, didn't they? Bundled mm. up together and sort of went against them, really. But um, as you say, that's that's where you need, you know, you need your squad. You know, you are going to miss certain players when they're not in the team or have to come off injured, but you want the ones who come on, come on either to, maybe you'll still miss those who've gone off, but not miss them quite as much, you know, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And I think uh, just touching, as you mentioned earlier on, on Sean Maguire, I thought that the pairs in the game in Sean Maguire and, mm-hmm. and Emil Reese, Ryan Ledson and Alan Brown, I thought they were the, yeah. the standouts for PNE, potentially kind of way the system yeah. lends itself, but and the way mm-hmm. the game did with um, QPR didn't have like loads and loads of width. They kind of kept it fairly narrow and tried to get into those little mm-hmm. pockets. So it would be those sorts of plays that kind of um, come to the fore a little bit. But for me, if you look yeah. at the look at the QPR side, and obviously I, I know I tipped them to be in the playoffs before the start of the season. Especially on the day, I thought Johansson was good. I thought Willock, particularly in the first half, was very good. Dykes was very good. Chair, very good. Andre Gray had his moments and, and set up the, the first goal. So yeah. there is quality in that side, isn't there? Yeah. I banned my daughter from listening to Little Mix now. Andre <laughs> Gray's married to uh, one of the Little Mix singers, isn't he? And like, yeah. uh, he hurt Ali McCann in that tackle. So that, that's, yeah. that's Little Mix off the, no. uh, off the sound in our house, I'm yeah. afraid. So, yeah. <laughs> no Little Mix, no orange <laughs> bean one. Yeah, I'm only kidding there, but uh, <laughs> no, but no, 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 but you know, yeah, I thought, you know, QPR as a side going forward, I thought were very decent, I think, mm. but as I just alluded to before, I think they're a little bit 
suspect at the back, you know. Yeah. So that's no offence showed, but we touched on we were talking on Sean Maguire there, and I thought I gave him star man in the paper. I mm. thought he was very good. Yeah. Um, he's a player. He divides opinion at times. I think he's a different kind of player than North End had when they first got him from Cork. Yeah. He used to have that sort of explosive burst of pace, you know, to get him away from defenders. More stereotypical poacher then, wasn't yeah, he? He's, he's still fast. He's still mm. got a little bit of pace, but obviously his hamstring strain, his injuries in the past have, you know, sort of, I think he's altered his game. And just the way North End are playing, they found that, you know, he found this way of he's a good link player, you know, to... to maybe get get the ball through to Reese a bit better, you know, and, mm. and I think they've done that. I've got a nice little partnership going there. Now, yeah. it could be if North End need to get themselves as a collective higher up the pitch to make sure that Maguire's not doing as much work outside the box to yeah, maybe, you know, point. see, you know, get him on the ball in the box. He showed with the second there, goal. Yeah. You know, it was a clever ball. It was a good run from Seth Vandenberg to start with from a throw-in. He fed Ledson and then um, it was a it was a nice ball from Ledson, clever ball over the top for him to run. And he just, you know, Maguire knew exactly where to go, you know, pulled off the side of the defender mm. down the side of him, down the side of the six-yard box. He uh, made similar runs for DJ uh, against Bristol City, yeah. didn't he? He, he yeah, was able yeah. of making those little bendy runs off the on the outside of the, the centre-half if, like you say, you're yeah. able to get him higher up the pitch and maybe that is onus mm. on the rest of the team to yeah. put him in those areas to give him that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, that's just a team collective. You know, yeah. we, we hear Frankie McElroy talk a lot about wanting to get the wing-backs high up the pitch. <laughs> and, and I think that's key. I think it's sometimes key. You don't, you, Obviously, you don't want to... Defensively, you can't... You don't want to sort of leave yourself too exposed to a massively high line. Yeah. But you do need... You, you need, you need your, you know, a couple of midfielders pushing up there, don't you? And your wing-backs getting up there, you know, to you know to help the team forward. So... Uh, and I was so pleased Hopefully, Maguire won't be... Hopefully Maguire won't be too long out. Yeah. Um, hopefully they got to his. I, th- I think it was more an impact on him really. So he was both yeah, him and on. Frankie McAvoy post match were alluding to a stamp on his leg, which maybe caused his leg to pull a little bit. You mm. know. So hopefully, you know, um, if he is going to be missing any games, it, there won't be too many after the international break. You'd hope. I think yeah. the, the break has come at a right time to you know eat up you know, a couple of weeks of, you know, any potential absence. I'm so pleased that he got something tangible from the game as well, in terms of he got mm. two assists. A lot of a lot of yeah. um, the criticism that comes his way is, well, he doesn't score and he doesn't assist. And he got mm. two there. Like Without yeah. watching, you can go, oh, he scored three goals in 40 games and got four assists or whatever. Mm. I'm kind of making those numbers up. But then you can go, yeah, that's not really great output but when you watch him mm-hmm. there is more to it than that and to have those assists oh, yeah. that, that that sort of back it up that objectively mm. you can kind of judge someone and go well he's having an impact on the game no matter what anyone says yeah. he could play really naff for 90 minutes and you get two assists you've impacted the game massively at least he's yeah. done that it, and still playing well I think it helps with him playing with, with Reese up front mm. he, you know he's not having to be a lone figure up front and wait for support from midfield you know he's He's there, he's able to, you know, try and slide Reese in. And I think, that, you know, we, we talk about partnerships all over the place. You want defensive partnerships, you want a midfield partnership. And and now that North End do play two up front, I think, it, you know, it's important that, you know, they do strike a balance. And I, I think those two have, you know, been very promising. Um, for Reese, you know, Reese looks a handful. 
when he, you know, he's one of these players. He's he's not going to score every chance he gets. I think we've, we've talked before. He's a sort of probably three chances come his way. He's going to score one of them. He's going to fluff a couple of them. He's uh, his legs sometimes work a bit quicker than his head, you know. But uh, but I, I think he's quite entertaining to watch actually. So and you know, so if you can get those two back in tandem quickly, that 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 be uh, that be a bonus. Yeah, it was quite an unenviable enviable job that Sean Maguire had at times. He just seemed to have to do a, a hell of a lot of work for very little output. Mm. And now we're also starting to see the Emil Reese that we sort of got glimpses of when he first came to the club. And it's all kind of coming together quite nicely. Um, it's mm. just a bit of a shame about the league position, really. Not getting yeah in, in whole, on the whole, just not getting enough points. And the QPR result, especially just before an international break, kind of compounds things a little bit. Well, we said that, didn't we? After five draws, you need to follow it up with a win. And I think, you know, unfortunately, they've had a defeat. Had they won, had they gone to QPR, even if they got a, even if they got a six draw on the bounce, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. But just think what what a difference a win would have made, positional wise and feeling wise. You know, suddenly it makes those five draws seem pretty worthwhile, doesn't it? But as it is, the five draws, you know, you've got now got a slightly negative slant on it. Well. You know, the points dropped in all of them, and then we, we, you know, we didn't get anything at QPR, and uh, it so, suddenly, you know, you, you look in the league position ain't great at the moment. Mm. But I think we're, we're on the same number of points. About four, I think there's about four teams, isn't there? As ourselves yeah. and Boris, Swansea, and Cardiff. Cardiff. I think are on eleven. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so it, yeah, league position it's not great. It is early season, but mm. you know, you want you want to be higher. It so, goes uh, from unbeaten in what six seven or whatever it is to winless mm. in six seven over the yeah. course of 90 minutes you want to do it, it isn't yeah. it you can yeah you can spin it either way you want so at the end of the day they've not won since he beat swansea on the whatever the 29th of august or whatever it was yeah. you know but then you could have said you know and so you know they've not won in set they hadn't won in september and one game in october or you could look at it another way. Well, they haven't they, until QPR. They hadn't lost since the since he got beat at Huddersfield. So on the seventeenth of August, hmm. forty six days in between defeats, you know. So uh, um, it's it's how you want to spin it. It's how you want to look at it. It's you know whether your glass is half full or half empty. You know we're all different with our approach. Yeah, I think I think the collective voice that we're probably just a little bit more down the league table than than you'd want to be. Mm. Um, I've, I've consistently said it. I think North End are about a halfway side. Yeah. I'll stick with that. But at the moment, they're slightly below it. Yeah. Off the, you know, slightly off the pace. Yep. But I suppose but one I think way. What, of... what it shows, Tom. Yep. I think what the short start shows is they've got it. McAvoy's got them as a hard side to beat. Mm. You know the fact that once he got that run of three games out of the, you know, the first three defeats at the start of the season, they got trounced by Hull, didn't they? But mm. then Reading was a tight game. Huddersfield was a nothing game, yeah. you know, like could have gone, they, they could have come away. And I mean, it's impressive how Huddersfield came away with a win without a shot on target. Yeah. And then, you know, they've had, they've had a the couple of wins. Then they had the run of draws, you know, where, you know, they, they showed some character at Sheffield United, for example, to come back and, after conceding late to come back and get a late equaliser, hmm. you know, they matched West Brom. They weren't, you know, a little bit, you know, unspectacular in the nil-nil draws at Bristol City and Birmingham. But, you know, they against Stoke, they probably got away with it a little bit. So they are actually a tough side to beat. But what they have to find now is, you know, turning on, on the flip side of the coin is when there's a draw, finding that little bit extra 
that's going to make a difference to sort of turn some of the draws into the wins. Yeah, and they're almost masters of their own downfall at QPR as well. They would have been hard to beat at QPR if not for some pretty basic errors. The first one could easily have been yeah. cleared. Everyone seemed to stop and wait for it to be poked into the net. You know, the second one's just poor defending from a set piece, which, you know, is very avoidable. And the third one's just a calamity. So yeah. you can you can take those moments out. Mm-hmm. Whereas the nice run from Sean Maguire, the nice pass into him, the, the ball from Sean Maguire for the first one, for example, they're not necessarily entirely down to poor defending on QPR's behalf, although they may see it that way. You're always going to look to improve. But they were just quite well worked goal from a PNE point of view. So maybe on another day, it, it could well be quite different. And it may not be as, I know it's the way of football, but it may not be quite as end of the world, let's let's get rid of him sort of thing. We'll come on to that sort of thing later on. But, you know, it, I know it's all well and good saying what if and all that, but it could, it could well have been a lot different. Yeah, yeah. It could have been about, if, if you look at these games, it could have been about six points further on, couldn't mm. they? Or if things mm. have gone a you know, if they hadn't got the, um, the 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 point back at Sheffield United, you know, or, or yeah. whatever, they could be a little bit like looking even more over the shoulder. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it is it is as it is at the moment, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, one way of changing it, I suppose, is uh, bringing in some players that haven't had as many minutes. Although they did get some minutes in the week, didn't they? I'm obviously um, a bit sheltered at the moment due to COVID, so I didn't go to the reserve game. But you did, you did go and stand in the rain and watch North End, uh, North End Reserve beat Carlisle United five nil. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about it. It was good. It was it was enjoyable. It was fair enough. It was a very very strong North End side, mm. and it was a young Carlisle side. If you were if you were writing it from the Carlisle angle, immediately to get high in your report, you would have put against a very experienced Preston side. Mm. You know, like. Uh, Probably Carlisle had three or four first team sort of players in. Zach Clough was in the lad who was at Forest and Bolton, Bolton yeah. for example. Um, but uh, apart from that, it's quite a young side, and basically, you know, North End had rattled him five by half time. You know, and like second half declared slightly, still missed a penalty in at the bar twice. Um, so, but no, it was, it was a decent game. Played four four two as well, which was interesting, Tom. You know, like. Um, had Rodwell, Joe Rodwell, Grant, and Tom Barcazen up front. They had um, Josh Josh Murphy on the left. They had Scott Sinclair on the right. Jamie Thomas with Brad Potts in the centre of midfield. Declan Rudd in goal. Um, right back was Adam O'Reilly, mm. obviously uh, normally a midfielder, but uh, played there. Joe Rafferty on the left and Liam Lindsay and Paul Huntington in the defence. So it's not a bad side, that, is it? Really? Plenty of championship yeah. appearances in there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, plenty, you know, and like, um, say, Barkhausen set the ball rolling with an early goal charged, you know, the goalkeeper, ball came through to their keeper outside his box, he sort of tried to control it rather than clear it, and Barkhausen sort of tackled him, you know, charged him down, you know, and the ball rolled towards the net, and Barky just had the sort of task of strolling forward and rolling it into the net, and um, then, you know, second goal, I think it was, it was Pot scored with a nice... Bark and set him up with a sort of cross, you know, got to the byline, pulled it across goal and, you know, um, Potts volleyed it in. And then I think it was Murphy's sec- first goal after that, similar, finishing at the far post. Um, Potts' Potts's second was a sort of, again, a far post finish from Rafferty. And then Murphy's second, North End's fifth, a long ball from deck from the back. 
flicked off a Carlisle head and left Murphy with a free run on goal, one on one with a keeper, and he scored it. So uh, yeah, all good, good, good. Ninety minutes. They only made one substitution. I think Joe Rodwell Grant came off. Mm. Mickey O'Neill came on. So ten players, sort of, you would say were in the sort of first team frame whether they're on the fringes or more involved, all got 90 minutes. And I think the big one with Barkay isn't getting 90 minutes. I think that that was massive. It was his uh, first game since the opening day of the season. He's he's suffered badly from COVID. Well, for the, no, the Dave, he was in a cellar. He was, you are, oh, he yeah, was he was in a away, cellar locked in a, up, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, according, yeah. according to conspiracy theorists. No, but, somewhere. Uh, yeah, he's had a bad run. I was reading an interview he's done and um, he said, you know, like he came, he, he had COVID. He came away from that. I think he felt okay, you know, once mm. he'd done his sort of 10 days in the house or whatever, came back, did a little bit in the gym, you know, like sat on the exercise bike, felt pretty good. But as soon as he got out on the training pitch, apparently it was just like, um, you know, like found it so difficult to even raise a gallop, you know. Like as soon as he even, breath. as soon as he ever came yeah. under any sort of strain, I suppose it's something you'd, I, I mean, I, I, yeah. thankfully so far, we'll see how this week goes. I haven't actually had COVID, so I wouldn't know the, the effects of it, but yeah. I think it can be a little bit like that from what I've heard where you don't quite yeah. expect yeah. The, the, the longevity of the effects of it. No, no, because it's gone on for, you know, we, we had all this nonsense about him being out of favour and he'd been left out and it was, you know, um, oh, they're just making it up that he was ill, but you know, the, the lad suffered here, you know, like, mm. um, um, he'd be, he'd be rough with it, you know. I think they sent him off to see a specialist about his lung capacity and they'd done blood tests and everything. And I think it was basically just he got a bad bout of it and he just reacted badly. God asked me whether that had much to do with it, I don't know, but he, you know, it was, it was one of the ones, he, he's unfortunately one of the ones where it's hit quite badly. There'd been there'd be teammates in the dressing room about it who've been back, you know, without getting any symptoms. You know, it's almost a look at a draw with this thing, isn't it? So, uh, but, you know, the good thing is he's back now, sort of, you know, 90 minutes under his belt. I was watching that game yesterday, fully expecting a substitution at half time. Yeah. yeah, you do 45 minutes, he's back, we'll give you another hour next week or whatever. But the, you know, he got through 90. It probably helped being 5 0 up at half time that they, I'm not yeah. saying they could coast the second half, but they could maybe, you know, not go at it full tilt. And so while he wasn't at it full tilt second half, at least he was he was getting that match time in, you know, psychological as much as anything. So, yeah. Uh, I remember after, but, you know, I don't know if it was the QPR game or if it was the, the press conference before it, and I was asking Frankie about the upcoming reserve game. And he did in there mention about whether they look at a, a different shape and things like that. So it's yeah. clearly something on the agenda that the maybe yeah. if they're not, you know, they're saying we're not picking up enough wins in the three-five-two. Should we think about changing it? Mm. Or he also said um, he's never seen this side, or he's never seen his side, I should say, with wingers. Mm. Which yeah, you yeah. Know, well, which, it's not no. Which, I think when you look at it, it's it's what he's got available to mm. play this game. You know, he obviously. I know the reserves over time will be more to get young players involved and get them match time, but it needs some. sometimes the fact that these games are coming during the international breaks, it needs must to get some of the players some 90 minutes. Yeah. Now, his, his centre midfield in this 4-4-2 was Potts and Jamie Thomas, who you were both class in the mm. attacking midfield. Yeah, they're not defensive, are they? Yeah, he had Lewis Lee on the bench, a young lad, but he played in the he, he played ninety minutes for the youth at the weekend, you know. So he's obviously given his, you know, and so he didn't really have three mid three centre midfielders to use, if you know what I mean. You yeah. know, he didn't, didn't really have a sitter. So, you know, the, I think think the four four two it was a bit of everything. Yeah, let's have a look at it with wingers. 
but also we've not got a lot, you know, to to, to play in centre midfield, if you know what I mean. But mm. um, I, I didn't think Sinclair did a great deal uh, yesterday, as well as missing a penalty. But I thought Murphy was good on the other side. I thought he, he put a decent shift in. So um, so it's all interesting. See, but the, would you play a four four two in a league game? I don't know. Can you can you afford to get outnumbered in the midfield? I, you know, against some teams that could really be a downfall, couldn't it? But and I did I did like seeing him with two wingers. I've got to admit. So and I think really but, the only thing you're missing at the moment is just the wing aspect of it because you have still got the two centre midfielders. You've just got someone in yeah. front of them, and the wing backs yeah. kind of have to get all the way up and down. So I suppose you yeah. can't have a, a, a formation where you've got someone everywhere. You can't play. Two two fullbacks, two wingers, a number ten, two midfielders, and two strikers. Yeah. It just doesn't work, does it? So yeah, you kind of got to sacrifice something. And generally, so far, it has been wingers. Given as well that there's not yeah. been a lot of goals coming from wingers since Callum Robinson left. Really, yeah. Do you go Do you go with it if you're going to use wingers? Do you then sacrifice a striker, play sort mm. of a four three three? We Alex Neil used to play the sort of four two three one and. The striker got isolated a lot, you know. So do you go back to that? Or do you tweak the formation where you, you do have wingers, but you've got to, you know, you've got to make sure you get lots of support around that main striker. So uh, yeah. uh, that's one for them. But no, but you know that. Just going back to the reserves, it was good to watch. You know, it was it was blowing a gale. Fortunately, the rain held off for a lot of the time. But there was a time when the corner flags were being blown over and near enough, you know, the flag part was near enough touching the floor. But uh, Good testing conditions for him anyway. <laughs> yeah, go and get a run out. Um, we'll mm. move on to, uh, well, I mean, it's still a month away-ish. Mm. No, just uh, less than three weeks really, isn't it? Um, mm. But it will be talked about all the way up until the game. And mm. it's changed slightly in that Blackpool have now filled the rest of the East Stand uh, that mm. would have potentially been filled with uh, more North Enders should they have allowed it. But they're filling it with home fans instead now, so yeah, that's made that's made it's, things uh, interesting, hasn't it? It has, yeah. Because, well, fair enough, fair enough. It's their ground, you know. That they want as many of their fans in as possible. No argument with that. But it was always sold to Preston fans that they were only getting two thousand two hundred tickets because, you know, to have another to have. Fans, you know, the not, you know, the away fans at Blackpool are on a stand down the side. So as you look at it from the from the main stand opposite, North mm-hmm. End fans will be on the right. Well, the idea was, you know, the left. A lot of that would be left left blank. It's normally where your your next allocation of tickets go. If you get three thousand one hundred tickets, you know, like the the excess go in there, don't they? But as it is part of that you're going to have Blackpool fans now now as you say it was always sold to North End fans on the fact that you can have 2,200 we're having to do it on safety grounds because we've had some problems here this season um, there's access issues and whatever and it won't be safe to have too many people there so what they've done now that so to suddenly put another 800 home fans in there suddenly that that takes it. That goes against the grain of the explanation for why the allocation was low in the first place. You know, I've, I believe that the, the it was close to going the other way, and North End were going to get granted another sort of few hundred tickets for this game. You know, and yet 
it seems to have gone on a U-turn here and rather than have North End fans in that section, they've now decided they're going to put Blackpool fans in that section. And it's, it's um, I don't know, it's just leaving a little bit of a bad taste there. Obviously, every every team wants an advantage. You don't leave as many of the fans in mm. as possible. But to sort of use this health and safety argument to start with, yeah. now they seem to be turning that on its head, you know, and like, it could potentially lead to all kinds of problems. I don't know. I hope it doesn't, but it's got the potential there. So, um, I mean, my you know, understanding I, was you know, that... I can only think by putting fans in there, Blackpool are going to, the police bill is going to go up. They're yeah. going to need more police there. My, know, my understanding so. was that they were, they were worried about how many exits they had to use yeah. and they didn't want to use yeah. two exits. Now, if you're going to fill the rest of the stand, you have to use two exits, which again, like you say, mean yeah. more police and more stewarding, all that sort of stuff. So if you're going to use two exits anyway... Why not yeah. give the allocation to Preston as you would or have given to Blackburn and Barnsley and things like that? It's the yeah. inconsistency is what yeah. irking people. That's annoying, yeah. yeah. If if they and, and to be honest, if they'd have come out and gone, it's a derby, we don't really really want to give them any more advantage than we have to. We're only gonna give them two thousand. I'd respect them more. I'd go, fair enough. Yeah. You know, what I, I can understand that. it's almost been this hiding, hasn't there? You know, oh no, it's it's just health and safety grounds. Now yeah. suddenly it's going it's going the other way now, isn't it? You know, it's sort of um so yeah, it leaves a bit of a, a bitter taste, if you know what I mean. So as I say, they can do what they want, it's their home ground, you know, like uh, every team wants to try and get an advantage mm. and um but I, I I just think to sort of use one argument to start with, then it's totally changed tack on that now, you know. So yeah, I must um, admit I've seen yeah. people saying like, "Oh, Blackpool shouldn't be allowed to do this," and like saying maybe tagging PNE and saying, "Go on, sort this out." At the end of the day, it's nothing to do with anyone. It's literally Blackpool's no. game, and they will do with it with it as yeah. they so choose. And no but one can then, really argue with that. They, whether it's right yeah. or wrong is something else. Yeah. And whether it's, you know, it comes across, leaves a bad taste, all that sort of stuff, it absolutely does. But at the end of the day, yeah. they can just do what they want. But they can't then justify if there is trouble on the day. Like, they've changed tack on like, the reasons for the reasons you can't have more than 2,200 tickets was because it's, you know, we don't want people in that stand. It's, you know, it's a health and safety issue. It's like segregation issue then to suddenly change tack and do a u-turn suddenly it's as if oh well it doesn't really matter now does it that health and safety it doesn't matter anymore so um it's an interesting one it really is so but you know on you know on, on their heads be it yeah i've did said from the start as you say we only want 2200 preston fans there doesn't matter that that's the allocation leave it at that but then to sort of further down the line suddenly mm. you know Move, move the line a little bit just I, I don't know it, 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 it just doesn't sit right with me you know mm. so uh, and my concern was with North End fans turning up anyway given that you know can't get enough mm. tickets and they're going to be around Blackpool but then couple that with yeah. the fact that the Blackpool fans are even closer to PNE fans now and there's going to be yeah. PNE fans with nothing to do on the day mm. but want to be in Blackpool want to be around it it just mm. just adds to more of the recipe for disaster really doesn't it but i mean it remains to be seen it might go off without a hitch and all be fine but then yeah. as soon as this game is over attention turns to the reverse fixture and how pne go about that yeah that, that that's the big one now isn't it you know what what happens there do sort of north end sort of you know do light for light well you know we'll, we'll give you a similar allocation and have have north end fans on the cop or 
did he just have the Blackpool fans there, but on, on a limited allocation, or did he give them the full lot? You know, like I've seen all all sort of ways of doing it, sort of yeah. debated, agreed with, disagreed with, you know, sort of until until all this latest one, I was pretty much, well, you know, like we've got a better ground, you know, we've got a better away end, we can house more. But I'm thinking now, yeah, a bit of a bit of taste in the mouth, you know, like I'd, I'd, I'd certainly start, I'd, I'd go the way of like, well, 2,200 for both clubs, you know, like, um, you know, that's what we got at your place. And if, you know, if people say financial decision, you know, like we could be losing out on 75 grand. Well, I'd start thinking now of a sort of marketing, you know, to make sure, well, let's, let's try and fill, you know, like let's try and fill the ground, you know, like, um, that's it for me. Make sure those seats are filled by Preston. Yeah. Yeah, If they can get that guarantee of, of filling the, the Mm. empty part of what would be the cop, then that's, that's the way to go for me. I can understand at the end of the day, if the club say, well, we can miss out on a hell of a lot of money here. You kind of, at the end of the day, it's like, well, it's one of, it's a business decision, but from a footballing point of view, if, and I don't know how they'd go about it and how they'd fill mm. one section first. Because if they say, right, fill three stands and then we'll open the cop, mm. people will be holding off. People will be taking yeah. that gamble and it's going to take longer. It's yeah. going to be more difficult. If they yeah. maybe open the cop first and sell that, but then they may lose out in the Invincibles and, and yeah. other areas. So yeah. it's a difficult one. It's not one that I, I would I know much about. I think sometimes it's a good, this is a chance for club and supporters to, to come together here mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes, yeah, I'm sure pound notes and, you know, sort of giving the bank balance a bit of a swell is like always tempting, but souls looking after your fans. And I just think, you know, like, uh, I think if North End sort of side with the fans here and sort of, well, you know, it's 2,200 for Blackpool as it is, with, you know, Preston over there. Yeah, I, I think, you know, sometimes you've all got to stick together like that, you know, and I think that can go sometimes a longer way even you know a financial decision if you know what i mean so yeah i agree um we'll move on again into we'll have a look at some uh, questions sent in from twitter at tom sandals that said lep if you ever want anything discussed on the podcast within reason um we've got there's a handful really on a very similar topic um one from uh, ben Leyland one uh, i think john and um basically it is how long has frankie mcavoy got one, I think it was it one, uh, two wins in eleven, um, things like that. What is, how, how long does he have? Is one question, I suppose, and I think we should probably also address kind of the mood around the place because I think that's that's fine, and I think that can affect how long managers have in jobs as well. Mm. I think the mood's fine. I, I, as you said, there's a lot of ways. Two 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 wins in eleven. Yeah, it's not great. I think. If it been two wins and say seven defeats and eight defeats and a couple of draws, I think it would have been rocky ground. But I think the draws in there as well, as we talked about earlier, it just shows that the at times they are quite a tough side to beat. Now, you know, what they have to do is flip it the other way and sort of, you know, find a way to win these games, you know, so... Um, as I say, I think I think you know, run of five draws in there. It's probably it's sort of it's not great, but it's sort of it has been we had been putting points on the board. You could have looked at it, yeah, two wins in eleven, or it was nine unbeaten in 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 league and cup, mm. you know. And 
and the, the you know the wins in the cup have sort of led to him getting Liverpool a you know a full ground the money spinner on TV you know so that's got to be taken into consideration but I wouldn't have thought there's you know talk of any change in manager or yeah. head coach at the moment. So I really can understand don't. the frustration and I can understand the impatience yeah, oh yeah, especially yeah, coming yeah. off the back of last season and and last season was the first really where North End have ever had to since coming back into the Championship had to kind of look over the shoulder and you would genuinely mm. consider relegation as, as a possibility so I think the, mm. the, the there is an element of sort of being burnt a little bit from from last season and yeah. and, and not wanting to fall into as that it was end again. of last season they were nowhere near it in the end yeah. I think when 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 the plug was pulled on Alex Neal they technically I think they were safe in relegation as it worked out they didn't know that then mm. you know but um and obviously results had taken a a slide, but I, th- I think at the moment they're in a, a lot different position at the moment. You know, mm. like um, I think the you know the players are playing for him. Yeah, it was a disappointing. You know, that they didn't go down to QPR and get Wallet three 0 did they, or four yeah. 0 or something? They were winning that game. Now and the frustration lies properly trading Why blows, weren't they? T- yeah, yeah, you know, like it. You know, it was uh, not a towel being thrown in, mm. was it? If we're going with the boxing yeah, art, yeah. you know, so yeah, so. But no, no, but yeah, I think the draw, you know, like as you said, you could look at it, it was nine unbeaten, you know, it was the first defeat in such and such, or looking at the other way, yeah, it's like it's two wins in 11, which isn't great, you know, like, um, but with a draw, you know, like I say, if it had been seven defeats in there, I think the, you know, alarm bells would have been certainly clanking loudly, but they're not at the moment. Yeah. You know? Um, I had another one from Stephen about the Blackpool ticket fiasco, which we have covered. So just so you know, I do see the ones and yeah. um, if they're covered during the podcast, yeah. we'll kind of gloss over them uh, slightly. And we we've, we have kind of mentioned this before, but I just want to touch on it again briefly uh, But uh, from John Carroll White. Uh, Frankie subs and shoehorning of a couple of players who simply don't deserve to be playing at present. Something which Alex Neal used to do towards the end of his tenure. Um, more so he means with subs and I, I'll just touch briefly obviously we said um, before about Brad Potts and we're not ones to kind of we're not ones to that want to jump on the bandwagon of, of slating Brad Potts because it can be quite easy to do sometimes but I can understand that opinion when you're seeing a midfielder come on up front and that's the issue we have with it more that it's it's a midfielder coming on up front when you have yeah. strikers who could be very lively off the bench it just doesn't seem like the wrong the right option not that Brad Potts yeah. is a wrong person to have in a team or to have around the yeah. squad it just seems to be the wrong option and it does seem like he is quite often first off the rank isn't it when yeah it, comes it does to the yeah bench. Um, we covered it earlier. I think I think there was there was better options for yeah. it. You know, I didn't think it was a if they've been holding on at the end, last five minutes of a game, and they needed to wallop the ball forward and make sure it stayed up there. It might have been an option, but when they just got it back to two all, then as it was, you know, they went and scored straight away. I just didn't think that was the right option at all, you know. So it was a game where even though QPR had equalised, there was that time and potential for North End to get back into it. So, um, you know, I, I just thought, I thought it was the wrong one at the time. Yeah. Um, I find this one quite interesting. Uh, where's it gone? Right from uh, Mark, Mike. Right, if you could sign three of our current players down to five-year deals, who would they be? And do you mm. think that our youth should slash could be uh, uh, given a chance at some point this season? So three players, five-year deals. 
I wouldn't give anyone a five-year deal. I think that's too long, whatever. Mm. Um, uh, unless you, you're signing Ronaldo or something. Yeah, not Ronaldo, <laughs> but, you know, unless you're signing an absolute top player. Mm. I think four, four years is lengthy, you know. Like, In the championship. Um, yeah, but if you took long-term deals, um, McCann got a four-year when he signed, didn't he? Yep. So at the age of 21, it's that age group you want to be signing up on longer deals. I think story... I'd give a sort of four-year deal to, um, the, you know, the, the the do you go younger than that? Are there some youth team lads who are coming through to suddenly chuck a four-year deal at someone or a five-year deal? You know, you're expecting a lot, aren't you? But um, but to protect what I got, I'd sort of, I'd be, you know, if I had to pick gun to my head, I had to force someone. I think I think Reese is worth taking a chance with on a yeah. longer deal. You know, yeah. he's that kind of player. I love DJ as a player, but he's 29 now, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, you know, do, do you, would you give Leds, would you put Ledson in there or Definitely. whatever? I just think five, five years is a long time, really. My, you know, you, my three, you think about it, yeah. Story, mm-hmm. Ledson, Reese, because I think yeah. Story seems, you know, he's been growing and growing. Reese is dynamite at the moment. And Ledson, you kind of, I feel if you can get him tied down long term, you kind of, maybe get past that period with Ben Pierce and Ben Davies where their contract's running out 25, 26, just mm-hmm. as they're about to, in theory, hit their peak yeah. or whatever. You can maybe just mm-hmm. try and tie Ledson in past that most valuable period where you're either going to get mm-hmm. big money or you're going to keep them because they've got a, still a decent deal and you can potentially yeah. see their best at Deepdale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just think five years is too long, but longer Mm. deals, you know, like, you know, younger player. You don't don't want to be handing four-year deals to someone who's 28 now, do you, for example, or whatever. Way too much of a risk. Um, Here's another one from uh, Adam Airy. Should we uh, be more active transfer-wise with the more wheeling and dealing in a tight budget, less loyal towards players who have stayed longer with ever-increasing wages, swapping the likes of Brown, Potts, Sinclair, maybe Barquets and etc. for younger players. Mm. It will bring our wage spending down for a start as generally the longer the player at the club, the more they get paid. Brentford do it well and sell uh, sell weather for 1 million or 20. Now, mm-hmm. I think we will see more of that now. I think I think yeah. Alex Neal generally favoured more established players, and I think Frankie McAvoy, yeah. I suppose, as it, as it showed with Thomas, is a little bit more open-minded to that sort of approach. Obviously, Simon Grayson was quite similar, if you think back of, of the players he brought mm-hmm. in. They weren't really of, of massive pedigree or even appearances. Um, yeah. But just in that, the likes of Brown, Potts, Sinclair, Barkazen, those players that have mm-hmm. been around, say, five, six years... Yeah, are they do a move? Playing yeah, well, devil's advocate, yeah, that, You're putting the did, question did out the, there. Was the question: Do we need to be more active in the transfer market or less? Uh, more active in in the sense of wheeling and dealing. I yeah, suppose because I, you I'm know, I think it's I more think, like the Robinson DJ's small fees. Yeah, for yeah, those because sorts of. bodies wise, you know, it was eighteen in January, wasn't it? And mm. then like. Um, couple of repeats with Lindsay Vandenberg and like who's staying this summer but another I think it was eight deals in the end wasn't it you know and then Wickham came in so in terms of people arriving at the club I think there's been you know the numbers recently now we could dispute who's come in and the quality or whatever mm. um but um yeah some, sometimes I think it's a bit unfair to chuck Barkays in, in, in there, you know, like someone possibly they could, you know, get rid of. I, I, you know, I think he offers a variety of positions. I think he's worth staying 
suddenly we're all a bit, I don't know, the, the tide's turning a little bit with Alan Brown at the moment. I don't think he's fully fit yet after that summer hit problem, you know, but, you know, like the, the wheeling and dealing of like selling on players it's and, and trying to get a younger player in to replace them, it's getting that same quality, isn't it? Sort of uh, have they replaced Ben Davis, have they replaced Ben Pearson? You know, yeah. it's hard getting like for like, isn't it? So uh, I think I think mentioning it, Brentford as well is almost a little dangerous because I think it's a different yeah. model. Ours is is it's is a, a far sort different of... model that it's a great one. Yeah. It's an absolute great one, the Brentford one, but they've got this B team rather than an academy. And then they have spent quite big to start with, haven't they? Like buying players like North End might go out and spend 350 grand or mm-hmm. 1.2 million on a player and then sell them on or whatever, you know, like spending 300 grand on Ben Pearson, for example, and like, you should have got more for him. Or the big one was spending 15 grand on Jordan Hugo and selling him for nine, you know, great, great piece of business that. But, you know, you, you tended to find with Brentford were paying out bigger sums yeah. to start with weren't they then selling on for even bigger for yeah but then selling on for teens yeah yeah then selling on for teens worth of millions you know like so slightly different model there totally different model your recruitment very you know based start to start with on an algorithm which yeah. is you know like and they have a they don't have they an academy system they have a b team yeah they've invented the algorithm and the you know through yeah. through whatever you know that that's there that's their niche, isn't it? You know, and they've been able to build on it and done it ever so well. You know, to just copy another club is difficult, I think. Yeah. But no, but you know, like the, the ideal always is to sort of buy smaller and sell on big if you can. That, yeah. that has to be a way. I think we've debated this before on here, Tom, that sometimes, uh, however much you love a player, you've got to let them go at times. You yeah. know, like it, 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 in hindsight, they would have let Ben Pearson and Ben Davis go a year ago rather than sort of six months ago, you know? So, um, uh, so, but, but you, I, I think sometimes you, you do get loyal, don't you? And for, oh, I can't, we can't see him going, you know, but then sort of reality hits when you get to the final year of the contract and, you know, it's a bit, bit panic stations then, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, and I think Brentford, mm, if they were to invest five or six million on a player and it didn't yeah. quite work out, they have it to lose, mm-hmm. whereas North End yeah. aren't in a position where they do have that to lose. Yeah. It's it's a high risk, high reward, and yeah. Brentford have been doing very well at it, and it's been working very well. It's only the same yeah. as one thing know, I will agree with with, with the with, with the question from Twitter, you know about about the squad. I think the squad is too big. We know yeah. that, you know the fact that you've got players sat on the sidelines at the moment and able to get into it. So it needs it needs to trim that way, you know. You need you need you need bodies out, you know. Like um, you, you don't want this bloated squad, you know. And the you, you've got your unlimited amount of younger players, which is good, you know. And you'd like to see some of those get an involvement at some point, you know. You we mentioned Adam O'Reilly before playing in the reserves and whatnot. I'd I'd like to see a bit more of him at some point, you know. So, oh. uh, but where do you get him in in a really crowded midfield? Yeah, and and I mean. Here's a question: How many of the PNE squad are actually indispensable? There's not there's not mm. that many, so there is room for turnover. Obviously, oh, you don't yeah. want as many as recently. There is room to change mm. the squad around. I, I think I kind of said it towards um, pre-season, saying Scott Sinclair, if he's not going to feature that much as one of the higher earners, mm. is he someone you yeah. could look to move on? But contracts are running out as well, and they kind of it's kind of a natural process as well at times, isn't it? Yeah. I think I think the end of this season allows us a bit of natural progression, doesn't it? There's a lot out. We, you know, we've been highlighting the fact that they've got Hughes and the, uh, they've got. Sorry, it was um, 
Jordan Story signed up, wasn't yeah. it, and Brad Potts. And now they're trying to get Hughes, Bauer and Barquez and sign up. That's in the next route. But then below that, you have got quite a few players who are out of contract come the summer. And they, they might get to Christmas in the January window and think, well, I need to get moving now rather than be a free agent at the end of the season, you know. So um, so I think there'd be some natural sort of movement there, you would have thought, wouldn't you? So yeah. it gives a chance. The squad certainly does need a lighten at the moment, you know. So. Yep, and uh, the last one from Twitter before we end, because we are nearing an hour. Uh, I want to end with a little bit more positivity from uh, Martin Grime, who says, conscious of some negativity at the moment, hence, would you suggest mention Josh Earl as someone who looks a different player this year? Is it just the wing-back position, the coaching maturity, or combination of both? A real plus this year for me. And now he's not on his own, Josh Earl, in mm-hmm. terms of being a player that's doing better this season than last season and being a bright spark. Mm-hmm. Yes, there haven't been many wins recently, off the back of a defeat, but it's not all bad. It can get a little echo chambery when there's yeah. a defeat and there's mm-hmm. not been wins for a while, but there are certainly some big positives already this season. Yeah, I, I do think I agree with the guy there. That I think Earl has been a big improvement this morning, this season, probably more more of a step forward than anyone's made, really. Yeah. Uh, when you think about, he's had three loan spells in two years. You know, he had a little, you know, his half season he had back at North End the first half of last season. He got in fleetingly, didn't he, around Christmas time and mm-hmm. then came out of the squad again and went off to Burton. Now, I'm just, just writing about him at the moment before we started this podcast, actually. Like, first three games of this season, the first two league games, he wasn't even on the bench. Mm-hmm. And the Carabao Cup tie at Mansfield, he was an unused sub that night. And then he came in at Huddersfield almost out of the blue, didn't he? And he started on he started every Premier uh, Championship game since. You know, so he's on a roll and I think you know, I think I think the wing back position does suit him in the fact that he did used to play further forward when he when he was in the youth team. So he's got that attacking instinct. Um I think longer term he might even like to play as a centre half, but you know, I think you've got to learn that position. I just think, you know, going up and down that left wing He's a big lad. He's got the energy. He's got the size. You know, he's, uh, you know, he's quite, you know, to have one of your wing backs, six foot three, six foot four, it's good to have in your own box when you're defending, isn't it? So, mm. and, you know, he has got the attacking instinct. Should have scored at Birmingham a couple of weeks ago. And then, you know, at QPR, he, he was in a striker's position, wasn't he? Four yards out from goal as the ball came across the six-yard box. Fantastic, you yeah. know. So um, I, I think I, I liked her when it, when Earl first got in the team. I thought he looked good. Mm. You know, he had that burst, as a lot of young players do. They play a little bit on adrenaline, but you know, they're a bit of raw talent. Then it caught up on him a little bit, and he got an injury, and he had a bit of a rough time. But I think he, you know, he's come through it. And if this is to be his proper breakthrough season again at North End, I think it'll be a deserved one. And when we were and discussing, going back to an earlier question about would you give a longer contract to mm. if Earl carries on over the next few months, how he's done the start of this season, he'd be one I'd be tempted to be getting signed up, you know, yeah. but um, he's one maybe know, but, it's, it's a little hard to trust on in terms of like mm. say a longer contract. He's a little hard to trust because he's shown it before and then come away. Yeah. It's, it's how long if you he, can maintain it for and show that this is, this yeah. is his level. He's not playing above his station mm. for a little bit, say on adrenaline or whatever, and then kind of drops down again yeah. to show this is where he's at now. Yeah, I don't think he's playing on adrenaline now. I think he's a different kind of player. I think mm. a bit of maturity now. He's, he, he, I think he's 22 now. He turns 23 in a couple of weeks. 
end of October. So he's he's not a, he's not a raw young pup anymore. Um, maybe maybe he's getting a bit of confidence, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, Frankie McAvoy, I think maybe an arm round an approach. I don't know, an arm round the shoulder approach has helped him, you know. But he's just been given that probably that little bit of confidence that you're going to get a few games. And I think you know players aren't looking over the shoulder thinking I'm going to be dropped straight away if I have a bad performance or whatever. Um, I, I just think you know. He's done really well. He's now added a goal. You know, it's a box to tick. I know it's not the be all and end all for a defender, but as you say, in a wing back position, when you're, you're expected to be getting high up that pitch, you know, it, it helps, doesn't it, to get a goal or two? So uh, that's one box ticked. You know, he's got his 50 appearances now mm-hmm. tick. He's got the goal tick. You know, like, you know, a couple of assists tick. You know, now he, he just needs, you know, maintain that consistency of performance over you know, over the next few months. And we kind of took it for granted at the start of the season, just outright, that Greg Cunningham will start a left wing back and Josh Earl's a decent mm. enough backup and all that. And it, it, it's proved yeah. to be the opposite already. Yeah, he That's has, yeah. Credit to yeah, him, yeah, really. You know, exactly, yeah. Cunningham's come back in and played at centre-half, you know, the left side of the three when Hughes has been out. But uh, I, 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 Earl got in, you know, the, the, after a couple of defeats, he decided to change it, put Earl in. And he... You know, he's justified that. He, he's not there, you know, just for the hell of it. He, he's earned his position there. He's nailed down that place at the moment. And um, long may it continue because I want to see, you know, nothing against Cunningham there at all. But, you know, if, if someone is in the team doing well, that's got to be an all-round benefit, doesn't it? And mm-hmm. I just, you know, really, you know, you know like, I think I think he, there's a good player there, you know, as I say. Let's just see. Let's see him keeping it up, you know. In you know over this first half of the season into the second half, you know, and uh, you know push on and really push on if he can. Yep, uh, look forward to it. Um, but Dave, I think that's us for this week. Um, that's about mm-hmm. it. We've managed to survive uh, through a WhatsApp mm-hmm. call and no internet outages yeah. or anything like that. It seems to have no. gone okay until I pr- stop yeah. record, listen to it back, and it's all terrible. But yeah, uh, podcast with a difference speak, this I'm week. I'm speaking in French or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think of um, Carragher talking to Neil Morpay on uh, Monday Night Football, doing the the Del Boy line, and Morpay had no idea what he was on about. <laughs> Some French. <laughs> uh, but is Marvelous. there is there anything else you'd like to add before we go? No, I just think yeah, you know, it's, uh, I'm not a big fan of these international breaks, but I mm. think it might have just come at the right time when, when you got three players limping off in your last game. I'm hoping that if 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 none of the injuries are particularly sort of long term, you know, like if a cu- if if a couple of weeks is eating into their absence, fantastic, you know. And uh, but they've got, I tell you, this next batch of games is a big one, isn't it? You know, you start off with two home games, Derby and Coventry at home. Then it's Blackpool away with all the nonsense that's you know gone gone with that over the tickets. Then you've got Liverpool. Um, you know, the, the you know four days after the Blackpool game, so and then then it's Luton at home after yeah. that. So uh, this is a really big spell, you know. Mm. And then I think the two after Luton, it's um, Bournemouth away and Forest away. Yep. Going into November before the next international break, so you, it's a it's a big it's a big run of games. It mm. really is, you know. And um, and if people are asking questions Blackpool, about Frankie I hope the Blackpool now. one, yeah, I thought the Blackpool one sorts itself out because as I say, you know, I've. Um, it's just left a little bit of a sour taste. Fair enough, yeah. Blackpool can do what they want with their own ground, but to preach the health and safety 
thing to start with and then slightly change tack during it. I, I, I don't think that sits well, does it, really? Yeah, and to be fair to Blackpool fans, they, they've agreed with <laughs> most of the North End fans. They wanted the occasion, they wanted the big... Oh, so, some of them have some of them haven't, Tom. Looking at timelines last night, I've got to admit. So, oh, since, uh, the, since the Blackpool fan announcement, yeah, it has slight, changed slightly. I think when it, when it was empty, yeah. they were like, well, why not just yeah. let them in? Yeah. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I suppose all's fair in love and war and all that. And it's going to yeah. be a bit of a war, isn't it? Um, well, uh, yeah, yeah, certainly not a love fair, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but all that's have to say is uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, make sure to keep in touch with us on uh, Twitter um, at Tom Sandals at said underscore LEP and follow at LEP underscore football for all our PNE content and a bit of more coming surely in there as well, all the football content from uh, the LEP. Go to lep.co.uk for daily PNE stories and buy a paper. There's always PNE content in there. But all I have to say really is thank you very much for listening. Thank you.